The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, big Premier League weekend. Meeting of rival outfits at Ellen Road, Team Ronaldo and Team Maguire. Leeds also present. Spurs, busy living in Pep's head. And Lampard and Gerrard. Will it be one goes and one stays for the top flight too? Plus, Tom and Dom get it on in the Intertotally Cup. It's coming up in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Monday, 21st of February. Listen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, standing by to talk about football and more. We have Daniel Story. Hi, Daniel. Good morning, James. Also, Matt Davis-Adams. Hello, Matt. Hi, James. Also, Nuruddin Chowdhury. Hi, Nuruddin. Hiya. Hello. Welcome back. I don't think we've ever had you on when Man United have won before. No, no. It's a, it's a novel feeling. That's going to be exciting. We'll get to Man United... A little bit later on. I mean, did, did everyone make it through the storm okay? Still going on in rural Nottinghamshire, as Matt right. will attest to. Mm. Yeah, pretty pretty nasty round here. I was supposed to be doing a, an under-23s game on Friday night, which bit the dust the same way that, that Forest match did at Bournemouth, which I'm sure uh, Daniel mm. has similarly strong feelings to me about. Surely you're too old for that. Well, you can play overage players, Nod, so I tend to get in as one of those and just kind of conduct things uh, quarterback style. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jay writes in and says, 17th of January 2022, with 22 games played and 11 points between Man City and Liverpool, AC Jimbo declared the title race is over and all that to be decided was who would finish second behind Man City. Well, yes, Jay, I, I did. And do you know what? I kind of feel like I might stand by my assertion back then. I know that it's now back in Liverpool's hands, of course. But I feel like this might be one. Well, it doesn't matter what I think. What, what do you guys think? Have we now got a title race back on? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I, I missed a couple of episodes of the box set that is Barclays because I'm sure last weekend, which was the most low wattage round of fixtures you could ever possibly get, uh, it was all over. And, you know, City had won 14 of 15 and was strolling to the title. And, yeah, all of a sudden Liverpool's poultry five wins in a row seems to have reignited anything. But yeah, it's definitely back on. But I was mm. as shocked as everybody else when they did the table at the end of the City Spurs game to find out that it in fact is. Yeah, all those six points still. Six points. What, what do you think, Noz and Dan? Um, I, I find it so confusing, the, 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 uh, the, the table at the moment. Do you know when, when people say like you shouldn't have a table after, until after three games because like it's all everywhere? Mm. Um, I kind of feel like that. Like I, I can't keep a track because of the amount of games that each team has played. So there was me thinking that maybe Liverpool like nine points behind or twelve points behind. But like the the game in hand makes a massive difference, obviously, mm. and obviously the fact that they've got to play Sitter. So um, no, mm. I definitely think it's back on. And you, and you've got to give Liverpool credit because like it's that thing of um, they are so good. You, like you forget how they good how good they are because of Sitter. Um, mm. Because City are always winning, but then it's a it's a it's a mark for a great team that as soon as the leader slips, um, they're right there. And uh, there's so much to be said for for being that chasing team and building momentum and uh, and the other team looking behind the shoulder. So no, it's definitely on. All right, magnanimous stuff there. No, I was giving you you know footballing proclivities, Dan. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's definitely on because it's not. These but anyway, of, <laughs> <laughs> these kind of defeats to City do come out of nowhere, but they do seem to happen. There does seem to be a formula for getting at them, and if there is a team that can replicate what Tottenham did, which we'll talk about in a bit, then it's probably Liverpool in that fixture at the Etihad. When's that happening? Start of April. Yeah, April the ninth, I think. Right. Meantime, of course. That game in hand that Liverpool have, Noz, you'll be delighted to know, will be played this week. When are they playing that? That's on Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah, they host Leeds. Leeds who have conceded 10 goals in the last three games. Liverpool, who are the division's biggest scorers. But you never know what might happen. As for Jay and his post, Jay, you're absolutely right. I did perhaps jump the gun a little bit there. If you want to send in what you think I should do as a kind of like penance, should Liverpool win the league, we can we can talk about that. Something visual, I'm thinking, given this is a 
a podcast. Anyway, a quick run through the scores. Saturday, West Ham drew 1-1 with Newcastle. Arsenal won 2-1 against Brentford and Liverpool beat Norwich 3-1. And OK, uh, then strange stuff happened. Watford winning 1-0 at Villa. Burnley winning at Brighton 3-0. Saints beating Everton 2-0 wasn't a huge surprise, nor Chelsea's dysfunctional 1-0 win at Palace in what Matt Davis-Adams describes as the worst game he's seen all season. But then how about that tea-time clash? Man City 2, Spurs 3. Sunday, a mighty win for Man United at Ellen Road, 4-2. And Wolves beating Leicester 2-1. And that was your Premier League weekend. We have midweek action, along with Liverpool Leeds. There's Burnley Spurs, mm, Watford Crystal Palace, and on Thursday, Arsenal Wolves. Plus, in the European Cup stuff, Chelsea facing Lille and Man United going to Atletico in the Champions League and Europa League action involving uh, Leicester as well. But, of course, we're going to begin with Saturday Tea Time's Man City Spurs clash. Kulisewski there looking for again on the right-hand side from which he provided that disallowed effort. And the cross in, Kane! Can you truly believe this? Sometimes football really is stranger than fiction! Football bloody hell! (laughs) Crikey, yeah, the sweet sound of Spurs with their remarkable time added on winner at the Etihad over Man City. Spurs very much living rent-free in Pep Guardiola's head these days. And possibly we owe as Spurs fans an apology after suggesting on Thursday's pod that this could get ugly. Spurs at the time, you remember, had just been done, dejected, after a 2-0 defeat to Wolves. City were on that incredible unbeaten run. But here... Here come Tottenham doing Tottenham things against Man City. When's the last time that anybody did the double over a Pep team anywhere? I feel like Wolves did it not that long ago. Oh. Uh, Traore <laughs> fueled. <laughs> and I think Man- I think Solskjaer's Man United might have done it as well. Ah, yes. Right, OK. Hmm. OK. Uh, well, Spurs have now won uh, four of their last six meetings with Pep's side, including the earlier one this season. Daniel, you touched on this a bit before, but how did they do it on Saturday? Well, I kind of feel, in hindsight, this was kind of the perfect Antonio Conte week in that he comes out in midweek and makes intimations that he's been slightly let down by the club and then uses his pre-match press conference to kind of feign outrage that anyone could have anticipated those comments in such a way when it seemed quite a simple explanation for them. And then he follows that up with a team that plays back to the wall, that fights. We talked about last Monday about his touchline demeanour, really kind of browbeaten, and this was the opposite. That that celebration for the third goal was was brilliant, Conte. And there is a formula to beat City, which is that you you have to get a bit lucky, you have to soak up pressure, you have to defend really well, and, and Eric Dyer and Romero being back was massive. Um, and you have to counter-attack them, but you can't just counter-attack them. You know, it's not as simple as that, because City are very good at shutting those down. You have to counter-attack them absolutely perfectly. And that first goal is, I think, pretty much unstoppable. It's a pretty much the perfect counter-attack. The pass, the run, the composure for Sun to kind of turn a really good chance into an open goal for someone else. And the support run from, from Kulisevsky to, to keep up with play and, and finish the chance. And I think that probably spooked City a bit. The, the surprising thing to me was that it's rare to beat Manchester City, but Tottenham effectively did it three times in the space of 90 minutes, which is amazing to have the resilience after what has happened over the last week at two all to think no we can we can still go and win this we're not happy with the point is was a joy to watch as a as a relative neutral yeah they were clinical as well weren't they you know they it felt like City had a, a lot of possession obviously and and plenty of shots albeit not many of them on target Spurs had six attempts at goal five on target scored three times and had the three best players on the pitch in Son and Kulusevski and, and Kane, my goodness me. I mean, it seems a bit simplistic to say was that performance fueled by the fact that it was against Manchester City, but it was so far and above what we've seen from him generally this season that it's kind of the only logical conclusion that you can draw, I think. It was an amazing performance. It was as if he was playing both quarterback and receiver, basically kicking off the counter attack, then bombing upfield and getting on the end of... Uh, uh, whatever resulted. Uh, as good as individual performances you'll see in the Premier League this season, said Jamie Carragher, amongst other noises at the end of that that game. Uh, w- would you agree with that? It's a big shout. 
it's sad though, isn't it? In that I don't want Harry Kane's career to be remembered for outstanding performances in individual games. You, you kind of well, it, it underlined the fact that you, you desperately want him to win something. Obviously, you know it would have been different if England had won the Euros, but if this is how his career is going to be remembered as one of the all-time Premier League greats who could who could not win games on his own but have massive influences against the very, very best teams, it seems a shame mm. that he's going to end his career without anything to show for it particularly. Is he than, though? Is he? Well, well, what's he got? A couple of years left on his contract? So what, he could try and run it down and leave when he's 31? What's his, what's his window of clubs going to be like then? He's maybe got, what do you think, two more seasons at this kind of level that he's at? So... Where's he actually hoping to go if he's allowed to go? Is he hoping? I mean, that... Syria. You've got until like your early forties to win a title. Well, yeah, fine, yeah, but he can but... do that in ten years' time, can't he? Yeah. If he, 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 what What are his other options immediately in the next couple of years if Man City don't actually want him? Is Is he hoping that Mbappe to Real Madrid falls through and he could maybe go there? I don't know. I just see quite a limited window of of, of clubs for him to go to. Hmm. All right. I mean, he could be the man to break the strikers' curse at Stamford Bridge. I don't know. You know, football is that crazy. It's There's been lots of conversations about that, James. There are plenty of Chelsea supporters who who would have absolutely loved Chelsea to go for Harry Kane in the summer rather than Romelu Lukaku, but it's just never, ever going to happen, is it? All right, then. Uh, we should talk about uh, some of the, the players coming in to weaken Antonio Conte's uh, side, one of whom got his first start of the season away at the Etihad of all places he scored the opening goal beyond that did his did his inclusion help this turnaround for Spurs I think it helps in that it freshens Tottenham up there's always a it's always going to be incredibly hard to come into that either front line or attacking unit at Tottenham because when Kane and Son are playing because so much goes through them that you effectively become a, a kind of latent threat rather than a potent one, which is exactly what he was for that first goal. You know, I, 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 as I watched that counter develop, I, I saw Son. It wasn't until Son had even passed the ball that I even noticed that it was really someone else in that Spurs attack that might want the ball. And hang on a minute, it isn't Harry Kane, it's someone else. So I think that's a really powerful thing and it's actually maybe helpful for a player to come in when there isn't a huge amount of pressure because Kane and Son are expected to do everything. And if he can play that role as a kind of, you know, a, a very complementary third wheel, there's a there's a huge benefit to that. There really is. Because I don't think there'll be pressure on him to be a creator. I don't think there'll be a pressure on him to, to necessarily take men on and beat them. He can kind of just sort of hang around in the areas and expect those two to produce brilliant things, which is absolutely what they did. Mm. He reminds me a little bit of um you know Mansukic when he was playing on the wing the events just because like he's he doesn't look like a winger. He's a big lad, he looks like he should be a centre forward. And that I think that creates its own problems just because he's physically very hard to stop. The thing I like about him is that every everything he does feels certain. Sometimes you get these wingers that are a bit sort of iffy and sort of don't really know what they're doing and it feels like a bit of an accident. He, he's certain in every movement, so no, I think he fits right in. Name me one of those wingers who are a bit iffy, Oz. Um, well, I mean... Here? I mean, he was—he was in hindsight, he was a great player, and he'd fit right into Manchester United's team now, uh, and probably be the one of the best players. But Nani, Nani was a player who was hit and miss, mm. um, who who sometimes look incredible, sometimes look uh, incredibly jittery, um, and it's and and like I suppose he's the sort of polar opposite to someone like um, uh, this lad, who who sort of like is is so powerful and 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 again like so certain, so certain in mm. every move. And only 21 as well. Was so much to commend about this Spurs performance. That extraordinary save from Loris on, I'm not sure, I think it was um, Gundogan, wasn't it? The flying fingertip effort. Also the fact that, as you say, Spurs relentlessly rolled up their sleeves and went again, even when if he, when City equalised with, with that handball late on, uh, they used the seven minutes added on to go and get the winner. Uh, crikey. City have only won one of the six Premier League games in which they've conceded first this season. Should Pep worry? Uh, I don't think so in that they don't fall behind very often. Mm. When they do, it can cause this kind of jittery psychological response. But to be honest, they came, you know, they did equalise twice. They came back twice in the game. So I don't think that was the issue. The issue is that they defended appallingly and they didn't seem to learn. It was as if the Tottenham's first goal didn't tell them anything 
and they continue to make those same mistakes. They continue to push probably too many players forward and they continue to waste the chances they got. As Matt said, that Lloris made one really good save, but for the, the possession and the territory City had, they should have created far more. This was a kind of old City frustrations, but we know that they can then go and march on and win eight of the next nine again or nine of the next nine. So I don't think it's, you know, it's no issue, but they have, it puts a huge amount of pressure potentially on that Liverpool game, which that's the big mistake of Saturday because they could have gone into that game knowing it was a bit of a free hit and now it certainly isn't. One thing I often think when they when they go behind is that Pep could, this is such a, a basic point, but hey, that's my stocking trade. Pep could always um, just take 10, you know, just take a deep breath, count to 10 because I think when it, what he does is he frantically grabs his players over, jabs them, manically in the chest start shouting at them wide-eyed and I think how much of this could you possibly take on board when somebody's just shouting in your face like this you're just thinking this guy's a maniac rather than oh yeah I need to tuck in five yards on the right hand side and that'll stop the cross coming in or whatever it just it, yeah probably nothing mm. but it scares me so I don't know if I was if I was two yards away from him getting covered in flecks of his spittle as he screamed at me I'm not sure I'd be completely taking the message on board I think I think this defeat was good for Pep emotionally just because, like, he seems the kind of guy that sort of, like, he can't handle sort of just being imperious and winning all the time. And, like, th- there's almost, like, a pent-up thing all the time that he's on edge. So, like, it'll be this thing of, like, they'll beat somebody 5-0 and then he'll he'll sort of go into his, like, more you, more than you can believe, more than you can believe. And sort of, like, get into mm. this big thing of, like, uh, how great the opposition is, is. And every time somebody praises him or, or, or an interviewer uh, praises him, it's all a case of, like, no, no, they were great and, and we weren't great. So, like, he he almost needs this. And, like, it's he almost... the antagonist. Yeah. And, and it's mm. one of those things where, like... You get some people who are really neurotic and sort of on edge, but then as soon as like something bad happens, hmm. they're totally zen. And that was almost the case after this game. He just he just seemed to calm down. I also think it's funny that there's been a lot of talk when 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 City were supposed supposedly running away with the league. There was a lot of talk about our city boring, our city soulless because they're so efficient and they just run run away with. It. And does anyone really care enough? And it's almost like th- this is his. Like Russell Crowe moment of like, are you not entertained? Like, are you happy now? We've lost. Like, we're fallible. Sort of like, have we now got a soul? So uh, no, it's uh, it's it's good in a way. Yeah, you you cover a lot of ground there, culturally speaking. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so uh, Spurs have given Pep uh, a new world to conquer. Perhaps they themselves lie seven points off fourth place with three games in hand. Disturbingly, what that means, we will find out when those games are played. As for the title race, yes, Liverpool are six points back with that 3-1 win over Norwich. Norwich, who took the lead three minutes into the second half, and then Liverpool opened up with goals from Mane, Salah and Luis Diaz, January signing in Luis Diaz. All three of the goals had something pretty special about them. Mane's whirling cartwheel, that was extraordinary, that first one. Have you seen a goal like that before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was as if it was a kind of sleepy first half, and it was as if... Norwich's goal sort of offended Liverpool's front three and they were like oh, oh okay fine we'll do what we can do and we'll win the game and there's this I mean Liverpool are brilliant at, at these kind of bundles of chances in a row so they'll score and they'll create a chance and then they'll create another chance within 45 seconds and there's this sense that everything is kind of weighted towards the opposition's goal and it was as if they'd just been okay fine we now need to score three because what we do is score three goals and yes each of us each of us will score because that's kind of what we do. And as you say, there was a moment of individual magic to all three of them, and yet they're all kind of team goals as well. Mm. Alisson with the assist for Mo Salah's second. Alisson now has as many Premier League assists as Manny uh, this season, intriguingly. And the third goal by Luis Diaz followed a 34-pass move, which is the most passes we've had in the build-up to a goal in the Premier League this season. Most that Liverpool have had in any game since Opta bothered uh, collecting this data. So there you go. Liverpool have now won eight games in a row. And Norwich are now bottom of the table again. It wasn't that long ago that they got out of the bottom three. And that, but they're bottom once more. Five points from safety. No games in hand. All right. Wednesday sees Liverpool hosting Leeds. And, of course, on Thursday we'll react to what happens there. Next up, though... On the Totally Football Show, uh, we will be talking about Leeds' most recent performance against Man United. So, Mr Ranjik, what's troubling you? 
Well, we've got a, a leak in the dressing room, Doctor. Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max you bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions, and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tony Football Show live is coming to Manchester. Uh, we're going to be in what can I call Manchester? Nods. What's it called? Does, the does it have a nickname? The, the heart of the north. Is that right? What would you call it? If you um, I'd call it the the cradle of the industrial revolution. There you go. That's where we'll be working up ahead of steam on the nineteenth of <laughs> April. Uh, that's looming, much as the mill workers did. During the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> uh, so make sure you get to thelowry.com to get your tickets for the Totally Football Show. Who's in the lineup? I think uh, it's Duncan Alexander, Michael Cox, and AN Other. Do we know, Producer Charlie? We do know. We don't know. So, mystery guest, listener. Jet from Gladiators. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's a special treat. Turn up, see who it is. Uh, brilliant. Now, also, uh, Man United won 4-2 at Leeds. Crikey, what a victory this was, Noz. I imagine you were following it agog as, you know, the the tackles flew in and the coins flew in and the deluge came down and all that stuff. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, uh, I mean, a lot of people have sort of mentioned it, but it was a real sort of like a callback to like uh, the 80s football. Um, the, the only slight sort of issue I had was... was um, I felt for all that rain, it could have been muddier. Like, I would have loved the place to be absolutely caked in mud. And I don't know if that's to do with, like, the surfaces these days, but that was a little bit disappointing. But it's mm. one of those games that where tactics kind of go out the window just because it's such a such a weird situation. And, uh, like, for instance, at the beginning of the game when, when the surface was more sort of... Um, it was making the ball go faster rather than making it stick, um, it felt as if uh, Dan James would give um, Luke Shaw a lot of trouble. And they obviously had a, had a tactic of sort of getting it over the top and letting Dan James run onto it. But then obviously you can't do that. You can't do that because the ball just sticks and stops. So that, so that, that sort of uh, uh, evens the sort of um, playing field. But no, it was it was great. I, I loved the atmosphere. I, I loved the sort of um, I loved how angry it was in the stadium and uh, and the, and this whole thing of like um, it was it was. I found it interesting that some people were sort of surprised or forgot. The sort of um, animosity between Leeds and Manchester United, and it's so it's, it's so it's so big. It's the, why, the three, why is it so big, Nos? Well, it's well, it's 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 obviously sort of civic, so it's historical. But there's there's different rivalries. There's there's the rivalry with City, which is very sort of like uh, familial and sort of like um, you're in the same city, so it's it, it's it's almost like a, there's loads of familiarity, good and bad. There's there's Liverpool where there's there's a lot of hatred, a lot of anger, but like there's um there's all it's also sort of tinged with uh, respect, and uh, you kind of see them as as like a worthy sort of enemy. But Leeds is more than the other two. Leeds is hate. It's real, real hate. And again, like sometimes that can spill over into real hate, but it's great for football hate as well. Like th- that thing of like cheering when when somebody was fouled, like that's what you want, and 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 it's sort of like I sometimes feel as if whether it's uh, television channels or sort of uh, uh, the press or whoever, um, we like to sort of fetishize um, this animosity, but then almost uh, clutch our pearls when it actually happens, or or mm. when there's like a a game with a lot of grief and a bit of blood or whatever. But like that's that's what you want, like that that's that's the it, you it want was almost like. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was so like what jet- you're all about, Noz. Yeah, it was like Jet in a Prime. Um, no, but you, but you, but you, but you, but you want, you want those games that sort of remind you that sort of like as as, as sanitized as the game has become. Mm. Uh, games uh, like Leeds versus Man United will always uh, have this sort of pleasant unpleasantness. Mm. You can judge, you can judge a game by if their under 18s were playing each other. Would supporters really, really care about the result? And Leeds Man yeah. United is one of those that if Man United went away to Leeds and their under 18s won 4 0, it would be a big deal. And the same with Sunderland Newcastle and the same with Forest Derby and, you know, the same probably with West Ham Chelsea. But it's those games, they're the ones that have got real needle where it goes above and beyond 90 minutes in kind of this, you know, we use the phrase bragging rights all, all the time, but it really will feel like that this morning for Manchester United fans. Mm. That's it, and 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 going going back to the game, like um, obviously it was up and down, and like uh, there were United going ahead, and there's come back and all that business. But there was a stage in the game where Leeds made it two two, and normally Manchester United would sort of uh, crumble because they've got an issue with leadership, they've got an issue, they've got a, an issue with sort of the game, sort of a uh, uh, running away with, with it, and and they can't control it any longer. But I almost feel that because of the atmosphere, because of the sort of anger in the stadium and because it meant so much, that almost gave them an extra sort of impetus mm. to sort of like fight back. And, and that met, if, it, if it was against Brighton or if it was against, um, I don't know, um, Newcastle or someone, like, like perhaps perhaps they wouldn't have come back, but it, because it obviously meant so much. And stuff like, like, like McTominay, like he was charging about like a over-sugared toddler Sort of like a big sort of uh, lummox, but like that is exactly what you want. That 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 was that was amazing, and uh, even like Maguire, like like uh, he he didn't do the thing of sort of putting. Thankfully, you know, he didn't put his fingers in his ears or sort of cup his ears when he did his did that slide. But it's the way like every goal he was like he was sort of like going to fans and sort of roaring uh, mm. because he knows what it means and and like. This is the kind of game that you can be on poor form. All the players, all the fans can be against you. You have one good game against the likes of Leeds, and then you you're back on side. Yeah, like a derby, like a derby. All right. Well, I mean, there's a lot to kind of pick out from from that. Uh, first of all, Harry Maguire's knee slide, one of the finest examples of the genre, possibly ever. The way that he just gently glides round to show his name. To, to show his back to the fans at the end. I've never done a, a knee slide. I imagine the pitch on Sunday probably facilitated it a bit. But you yeah. do see players getting it very, very wrong. Do they train for that or how do they I think that's just good judgment, James, Is it? to be honest. Right. Yeah. I think we were we were about half an hour away from someone being able to do the classic Klinsman dive into the right. puddle, which yeah. is the only step up from the, the kind of twisting knee slide. Now, the other thing, and you, you speak of judgment, but uh, the energy of the crowd, United feeding off that, but also Ralph Ragnick's uh, substitutions after that extraordinary period at which Man United had been leading 2-0, then all of a sudden they weren't. 24 seconds between the two Leeds goals, the first uh, somewhat fortuitous from Rodrigo, and then uh, Dan James setting up uh, Rafinha, who had a point to prove, perhaps we'll talk about that, uh, against Dan James's old club. But then, then what happened? Well, Rangnick changed the game, and he changed the game in a way that was reasonably unpopular at the time, but is hugely important because if the one, other than all the kind of intangible worries and doubts about Solskjaer, the one tangible issue was that he didn't seem to be able to manage the game particularly well with his substitutions. They were either formulaic or they're a bit too late or it felt like he was leaving on players because of who they were not how they were playing and and Rangnick took off Paul Pogba who I thought was the best player until that point he was kind of the only one that seemed to be able to it was like he was playing on a dry pitch and everyone else was playing on a wet pitch for most of the game and sent on Fred to do this kind of roaming you know adventurer role where he pops up on the left hand side of the penalty area and pops up on the edge of his own box and pops up on the right wing and he was fantastic at it and also sent on Anthony Alanga and, and told him and Jaden Sancho clearly to stay wide and kind of stretch leads so that Bruno might have a little bit more space in the middle of the pitch. And I think Bruno probably came slightly noticeably more central at that point. And it worked an absolute treat. It really did. And he took off Cristiano Ronaldo, which was a, a statement move in that game because he hadn't really done anything other than missing the chance, which I think was slightly behind him, but should have scored. But yeah, perfect substitution. It doesn't always work like that, clearly. Clearly, you know, I can't remember the last time that two Manchester United subs came on to score, but it doesn't happen very often. So when it does, you 
you know, you take it. And it came in a big game when Rangnick needed it most. Mm. What's Bielsa's beef with Rafinha out of interest? Had he been playing in the first half, might have been a slightly different half-time score. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 my impression before I heard anything was that he, he was just a kind of tired, and B was just coming back from a, a bit of a, a niggly injury, and maybe the conditions and the opponent weren't an ideal place for that. But as um, Noz said, he used Dan James as a right winger, which is what Rafinha had been doing. And there was a clear tactic to get Dan James in behind. So I suspect it was purely tactical. Rafinha is one of Leeds' best players, so I would start him every week. But Bielsa knows more than me. Leeds feel like one of a number of teams are just desperately waiting for the season to end. I think you'd put probably Leicester and Villa in that category as well but it, it seems so sort of unfeasible and, and not practical to change the manager now but it feels like the manager's had enough and the players have had enough of the manager and and that's a really dangerous position for them to be in but it, it's you know as we kind of mentioned before I think it was Adam Crafton on the pod a few weeks back saying it, it's going to take so long to deprogram these Leeds players that uh, to switch the manager mid-season could be catastrophic so they're in this really awkward place whereby they don't seem to be executing the system well enough and obviously they've got significant injury problems and have had for most of the season but it just feels like you know Bielsa said afterwards didn't he? he's worried about relegation it, just feels like they're on the slide and lo and behold they go to to Liverpool next and then they've got Spurs who are seemingly newly resurgent. Well there you go and not the greatest of afternoons for him and Leeds supporters particularly the ones who threw coins uh, 4-2 on Sunday afternoon. Adam Crafton pointing out that 20% of United's Premier League goals this season have come against Leeds which is quite remarkable. One other thing to mention and Noz you're our kind of multimedia manipulation expert. What did you make of Harry Maguire's uh, Instagram uh, photoshopped a man's head on Leeds fan effort? Did you see that? No. <laughs> so it's, he... it's very weird, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's, it's just a normal photo, but with a kind of someone's man's head. Do we yeah, know who I it did... is? Well, I, my first guess was that, I mean, he's from Yorkshire. Maybe right. he had a family member who's a Leeds fan. And I mean without jumping to too many conclusions, the bloke didn't look unlike an older Harry Maguire. I mean, it isn't ah. his dad, I could say that, because uh, we've seen photos of his dad before, but maybe like an uncle or something. Right. It's um, a good mate. That is a complete guess. He tweeted, uh, this is oh. sort of breaking news for us, 58 minutes ago. For everyone asking, it's my good mate, a big Leeds fan. He was at the ground, but not in the pick. He's been giving us some stick all week, so I thought I'd add him. Smiling face emoji, red circle emoji. Family, can be f- family members can be friends too, so I sort of right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, excellent. Uh, next up for Man United is a trip to the Wanda Metropolitano in that Madrid. Daniel, you're accompanying them there for the clash with Atletico Madrid. Yes, yes, it's the um, the classic European trip of the flight back at 6.10 in the morning, so you don't go to sleep, you just go straight to the airport from the game. Malarkey, which should be mm. interesting. Uh, obviously, the game doesn't finish till eleven out there, so it's not too bad. But yes, I can't wait. I, I, I think it's a, a re- well, it's clearly a really, really good time to be playing Atletico Madrid, who who don't seem to keep clean sheets much anymore. Although they did this weekend. Yes, they did yeah. this weekend against Osasuna. Um, Similarly to Man United, they're battling for top four, but they're mm. just outside the Champions League places. Uh, on goal difference to the resurgent Barcelona, who had a big win this weekend with a hat-trick from a certain Pierre-Emery Aubameyang. You can hear more about all that kind of thing and a big preview of Atletico's prospects from our man Alvaro Romeo in the Totally Football Show Euro edition, which will also feature Christoph Biermann discussing uh, the Bundesliga, which was pretty remarkable this weekend, and Dortmund's chances of... Uh, reversing that upset against uh, Rangers in the uh, Europa League last week. And uh, all the rest of the news, of course, from around the continent. Also out this week, we've got the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. You're on it this time, are you, Matt? I am, yeah. Yeah, we'll be Brilliant. recording that later Ooh. today. We'll be talking about a couple of managerial departures in the championship. Velko Panovic at Reading's a funny one. Lost lost eight in a row, all competitions. Drew midweek and then they decided between he and the Reading board that he'd be leaving before the game at Preston at the weekend and they were mm. 3-0 up and ended up winning 3-2. Um, there you and go. Darren Ferguson leaving Peterborough for the latest time, but he'll be back. If, if not before the end of the season, then probably next season. Oh, really? How, long, how many years has he been there? Well, he's had three different spells. Ah. 
ah, so right, far. Okay. So he right. tends to go for a bit, get them out of League One once they've been relegated, not quite be up to it in the Championship, and then go again. But yeah, kind I of see. weird tweet, like uh, like Peterborough putting out the kind of tweet that, uh, that you would do, I don't know, to tell friends that it was you who ended the relationship, not them. Uh, it said right. there was a phone call between the owner and the manager, and they've, they've come to this decision. But yeah, all a bit weird there. All right. Well, what's exciting is the man taking over at the Medeski. Mm. Step forward, the governor. Paul Lintz. This, right. this is this is so weird, and I'm trying to. I was trying Confirmed. to think of a, a justification for it, and basically what I've got is his son Tom is on loan at Reading at the moment, and Bingo. that's about as best as I can come up with but as then, to why you would if, appoint somebody who hasn't managed a team in eight years and didn't do a very good job then. It's incredible PR work though from the club because if you do appoint the dad of someone who's on loan at the club. And everyone's going to go, surely that's not the reason why. Don't put in the statement that, don't make the point in the statement that Ince is the dad of Tom Ince who's also already on loan at the club because that makes it look like you just asked at training if anyone knew anyone. <laughs> Paul was there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Possibly. dropped him off, yeah. yeah. Uh, we come out a five-all draw with Cheltenham. I imagine that'll be featuring uh, on your agenda as well in the Toby Football League show. On Tuesday, the Athletic Women's Football Podcast is out with talk of England's draw with Euro favourite Spain on Sunday and i got to believe that the extraordinary case of Liverpool defender Michaela Moore uh, will be featured. Michaela Moore, who scored a hat-trick while on international duty for New Zealand against USA. A hat-trick of own goals. There goes Perth. Still Perth. And when it rains, it pours. It is pouring right now on Michaela Moore and the football ferns. After the second O'Gola went in, I thought, I'll turn this on. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible uh, rubbernecker. And, I mean, it was a it was an imperfect hat-trick as well. Left foot, right foot header, which is right. incredibly unfortunate. But the worst thing was, I mean, she's got, you know, she has, it was a 50th cap for her country, so she thought it would be a, a joyous occasion. And she got substituted after 40 minutes, and she was distraught and it was impossible not to feel for her but I I can't work out at that point whether surely substituting her at that point is the worst possible move if you're going to substitute her how many do you want to score yeah just do it at half time so you can just have a word with her and I just thought that was the weird thing was the third one seemed the most avoidable so that you know, the, the second one was very accidental, kind of went off her head. Uh, I don't think she knew too much about the, the, the first one either. But the third one, you think by that point, I've conceded two own goals. I have to be really, really careful about how I try and clear this ball think, coming into the box. I and she just puts point, it straight into her own net. Yeah, but I think that's hashtag heads gone territory by that point. Right. I think you're just wanting the ground to swallow you up, maybe. Well, then I guess that's why you, you, you take her yeah. off. Yeah. More, more, more. How do you like it? Not very much. I scored three own goals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you set yourself up there. That's fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe they took her off to to, to get the applause from the opposition to the opposition to the fans. I wonder if she kept the ball. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam Hurry tweeted. Does that mean that the mantelpiece gets to put her? <laughs> anyway, I hope she's feeling better about that and uh, better days ahead. Uh, next up for us on the Totally Football Show. Ooh, the whole relegation picture with the bottom seven separated by just seven points. Keep listening for Dom Feifeld versus Tom Williams in the Intertotally Cup, sponsored by Paddy Power. And we apologise for any bad language you may hear. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is excellent news for Everton fans when they make their Lampardian transition from serious to funny to serious once again. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. All right, fans of exciting... Edge of your seat, down to the wire. Relegation battles will be delighted with how the Premier League is turning out this time around. With Burnley winning, with Watford winning, and with Everton not winning. So they're now in that bottom seven, level with Newcastle. They're on 22 points. That's only four points above Watford in 18th. Will it be enough? Where do you want to start with this? You've got that remarkable Burnley win away down in Brighton. Three goals. You've got Watford winning, scoring goals, or a goal. And you've got the Everton performance away to Southampton. What do you think? I think Burnley's a standout result, isn't it? Given that it was their, their second win of the season. They were, they were helped by a, a Brighton side shorn of their regular defence for for various reasons. But yeah, Wout Weghorst looked amazing. And I didn't realise that he's from um, a wealthy family who own over 100 petrol stations in the Netherlands and that he once beat Michael Van Gerwen in a leg of darts. But... There you go. Jesus. There, was a tweet, for that. there was a tweet that went viral on Sunday night that was effectively saying, I'm hearing that men just like to lie in bed at night reading Wikipedia pages. And Matt has just completely <laughs> <laughs> skewered himself. Wow. This is from the Bundesliga.com. So, you know, at least I feel like it's legit, but yeah. quite the claim to fame and a bit of positive, you know, positive PR for Vout who uh, has, has needed it over the last year or so. Are you confident about Vout? Because I, I, I was going with Vote. No, I'm not confident about it oh, at all. Right. So Votes what I've heard, and also you can make jokes about crosses in boxes and stuff. Oh, very good. Um, and that's big for you, James, isn't it? Because it is I, big. I know how bad you'll be feeling about wooden barns having been broken up, and, and yeah. that was your whole Burnley <laughs> thing, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so uh, he enjoyed his goal. He looked really moved about getting that. That's Brighton against Burnley. What do we make of Aston Villa nil, Watford 1? Stat, first of all, Watford's last six Premier League away wins have all come under different managers. I repeat, their last six away wins in the Premier League have each come under different managers. I almost want to say it a third time because (laughs) it's just such an extraordinary state of affairs. Does the listener want to name them? Can you do it, the last six Watford managers? Uh, Hodgson, Gracia, Flores. Um, Someone help me out. Uh, I was going to say Hayden Mullins. No, <laughs> no, not um, Munoz. Did he get one? This yeah, Munoz, yes. Cisco Munoz. There's, there's oh, two. The there's two legends. Both Nigel l- Pearson. Yes, and Zola. Was, no. no, no, he's too early. Well, Claudio Ranieri. I don't think we've mentioned him yet. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so Roy Hodgson, meanwhile, getting his first win as Hornets manager and the first goal they scored under his charge. And Ismail Assar making his first start since they beat Man United in November. It, would it be simplistic to suggest a connection between those two things? Absolutely bang on. 
he he'd created four chances. Emmanuel Dennis is finally dangerous when Ismail Assar's on the pitch. You know that in terms of xG, he had like, I think 0.5 xG on at the weekend, which is more than in his previous five or six games combined. It's just mm-hmm. those two as an attack, the creator and the finisher. And if they're not both on the pitch at the same time, then they really struggle. But if if Hodgson can keep them both fit and and you know tighten up the defence, which is his his thing, then they've still got a chance because everyone's got a chance. I think. I liked him saying we're getting divorced from the teams above us, which felt like a very Roy kind of <laughs> quote. But he's um, he's got the opportunity, hasn't he? On Wednesday, they're playing Crystal Palace. I just wonder if he's going to have a word with Harry the Hornet and spin this whole thing on its head and you know, get in Zaha's head before the game. And then um, maybe that'll help them get another win. Right. What an extraordinary match that is coming up midweek. Roy against his former side. As for Stephen Gerrard and Aston Villa, that's now one win in the last eight in all competitions, they have a sufficient buffer between them and the teams in trouble. But I, that's a really worrying run of form. Yeah, I, I think this was one of the stories of the weekend because how badly they played against Newcastle last weekend needed a reaction. And if anything, they played worse. They, they seem to be putting everything through Philip Coutinho, which is understandable in that he's a very good player, but they were already creating chances before. And... He's only on loan, so kind of putting all your eggs in that basket seems a very odd thing to do, and it's not a popular thing to do at Villa Park because they're still not defending very well. They're still not really taking their chances. And the reality is if you spend as heavily as Villa have, including in January, and the team looks worse, that's not a good look for a manager. You know, you mm-hmm. have to improve and coach the players you inherited as well as just signing players. He's only been there a while and he's at least got until the summer but mm. it's a pretty bad moment for Gerard, I think. And he's coming midway through the season with all the yeah. complications that that involves to a, a struggling side. As I say, nine points off uh, the relegation zone so he'll be alright. His erstwhile uh, England midfield teammate Frank Lampard on the other hand might actually be in some trouble. A 2-0 defeat for Everton away at Saints. They've got Man City next have Everton at Goodison on Saturday. They have the worst away record in the Premier League. They will be at home next time around. Their haul of 22 points from their first 23 games is their worst tally since 1950-51 at this stage of a top-flight campaign. I mean, love for Saints, who continue to be very formidable under Ralph Hasenhuttle, but are Everton going to be... Is it, is, is it going to have a dramatic ending to this season for them, do you think? That, that away record's the key thing that you mentioned, James. They've still got to go to Spurs, West Ham, Liverpool and Arsenal. Wow. Yeah, so it's going are, to be tight. They are really bad. And they've, they've picked up this annoying habit under Lampard of kind of shooting from anywhere. I was having a look at their... kind of uh, Having watched the highlights, it sort of jumped out to me. So I had a little look at it. and like Their average shot on, on Saturday was 22 yards from goal. Like That isn't a viable way of scoring goals. You know, you are can you- have... 20 shots but if they're all from miles out and they don't really test a goalkeeper there's not a lot of point to it are you suggesting that's Lampard's influence uh, I'm just I'm suggesting it's something he has to solve they've not been mm. brilliant at it all season although they have got worse at it under him I think it reflects a desperation probably to impress and to kind of haul themselves back into the game but those are the times where you have to be kind of calm and composed rather than shooting from anywhere all right Saints had 11 shots on target to Evanston's nil, nil on target. They needed Calvert-Lewin to, to hit the ground running, didn't they, on his return from injury, and he hasn't. He hasn't, hasn't scored from open play. Well, he's only done so once all season, and that was on the opening day. Obviously, he's missed most of it. But, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the obvious solution to that shooting and not scoring problem. It's, it's not happened for him yet. Mm. Man City coming up on Saturday. For now, Everton are level with Newcastle, but a very different momentum to the Magpies right now. They are fresh from a 1-1 draw away at West Ham in the early game Saturday just to finish off the Premier League weekend. Daniel, you went to this one and were inspired to write about Joe Wellington, which is nice, but but actually, surely the big story was Chris Wood really meowing at Kurt Zuma. (laughs) I only heard about that after the game. And I, I mean, I hope it's true. Newcastle fans brought a series of fairly garish orange inflatable cats and sang a Zuma-related chant to the tune of DJ Otzi's Hey Baby, which I think I thought we'd left behind as a cultural reference by now. But, uh, hey, hey, Zuma, we want to know why you kicked a cat. So it's pretty one plus one equals two stuff, chant-wise. But right. um, yeah, Joe Linton was phenomenal. I-, I love the fact that 
I, I, I said in the piece, I can't remember a, a time when a player you know, 25, it's not like his legs have gone, has had his role changed so significantly mid-season and been really successful at it. He basically plays as a defensive midfielder when Newcastle don't have the ball and then charges up the pitch as soon as Newcastle have the ball to try and join the attack. He was he was absolutely brilliant and he is the kind of poster boy of this surprising Eddie Howe grit and guts and determination kind of mentality monster Newcastle who are by no means safe because teams below them also won or won this weekend, but they're now I think four games, ten points from twelve, so they're they're on the right track. Mm, remarkable. Okay, uh, I rashly said that that wraps it up for the Premier League, but there's still three games we haven't even mentioned. <laughs> let's crack through these because we've got Inter totally on the way. Uh, let's see. There was Chelsea winning at Crystal Palace, Leicester losing at Wolves, and Arsenal. Beating Brentford 2-1. Matt, first of all, Crystal Palace-Chelsea, worst game you saw all season? Yeah, I say that, and then I remembered the Club World Cup final. Um, that but was yes, this, this, this was this was worse. I mean, Palace didn't even manage to have a shot on target in the entire game, although they had really good chances at the, at the start and end of the first half with Elise and Zaha. But yeah, Chelsea just can't get any momentum. Obviously, we're going to talk about Lukaku only having seven touches of the ball, which is the main seven takeaway. touches of the ball. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really... And one of those was the kick-off to start the match. One was the kick-off, yeah, I'm yeah. Disband- and- I'm almost officially disbanding the fan club, which is a shame. <laughs> I think but he's he's pers- more culpable than, than Thomas Tuchel or, or his teammates for, for what's been happening with him this season I've got to say is that right. I think Adrian mentioned it on Thursday's pod didn't he about how good he was in that game at the Emirates at the start of the season I was mm. there for that as well and it was a remarkable sort of tour de force from from Lukaku and he's just been basically ineffective ever since then those goals of the Club World Cup kind of papered over the cracks but yeah it's uh, it's a problem because he's he costs so much money he's on so much money he's of an age where he's got little resale value that Chelsea still have to try and find a way to make this work and and you know it doesn't look like there's a particular desire to do that from Thomas Tuchel at the moment. Mm, he sets a record for the fewest touches in a single Premier League game. This is for players who have stayed on the field for the full 90 minutes. A record since the data became available in 2003-2004. Uh, no one's ever had that that few touches. Right. Okay. There you go. We'll move on from Crystal Palace Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea at least picking up the three points there. And meanwhile, Wolves keep on wolving. They uh, recorded a 2-1 win over Leicester, Daniel. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly mention Jose Sarr, who I think has probably been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. When Wolves sold Rui Patricio, some concern about whether they were losing the best goalkeeper they'd had in a long time. And it, it now looks like they've upgraded because Sarr is, you know, he's leading the Premier League in things like save percentage. He's his distribution is miles better than Patricio's was, and yeah, they've the Uncle George model looks to have found a, a good one there. Mm, magnificent. And Arsenal, two one winners over Brentford. Brentford, who are just about all right, they're six points above the bottom three, but Watford, who are in eighteenth, have two games in hand on them. Crikey! Oh, they're only seven points above Burnley, who have four games on in hand on them. Actually, should we be worried for? Uh, uh, Thomas Frank's bees. All about their next three: Brentford, Newcastle, Norwich, and Burnley. Ooh. So ask me again after those. Basically, right. yeah, it might be able to. You know, if if they can avoid defeat and get three points from those three games and just stop those other teams making up ground on them, that might be as significant as as winning one and and losing the other two. Their running is not too bad, but my word, they're in no form at all. Are they? they just don't. I know they got a late consolation goal here but without Tony either scoring or, or not being fit you just wonder where their goals are coming from for the rest of the Indeed. season well that's it then for the weekend's games there's more as we mentioned coming up midweek but next up raw drama with intertotally match two on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad free on The Athletic this is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson one regular day of intertotally. That's all I asked for. Will never happen. Thursday, remarkable scenes as Duncan Alexander won the opening uh, game of this season's Intertotally Cup. 4-0 over Alvaro Romeo. Alvaro is Spanish. He passed a lot. Now, two more hopefuls enter the arena. Only with correct answers can they hope to survive. Let's meet our first contestant. Billy. 
first. He's the Chelsea reporting and Crystal Palace supporting writer for The Athletic. Will he get more answers than Lukaku had touches against the Eagles this weekend? It's Dominic Feifeld. Dom, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Oh, good. Yeah, enjoyed your entrance music there. I thought you might. Yeah, that's the beloved everybody with hello. Um, after they went electric, Ala Dylan. Uh, now, uh, excellent. Are you excited to be back in the Intertotally? Yeah, I imagine it'll be a fleeting visit, but I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I wouldn't excellent. be so sure about that, Don. <laughs> All right. Oh, there's his opponent. Let's meet him. And his opponent. He's the author of Do You Speak Football, a book that's been described as definitive, amusing and informative. But yes, the movie rights are still available. From the Principality of Wales, it's Tom Williams. All right, a feisty Tom Williams joining us. Tom, are you in Paris this morning? I am indeed. All right. Bonjour. Uh, Bonjour. Tom, you've had some tough draws in the past, but... I recall that you were delighted when you drew Dom out of the hat and made all sorts of... That is absolute absolute slander. That is absolute (laughs) slander. I said nothing of the sort. No, it's true. I I have had two tough draws previously, two first-round exits. So if I can get this this into totally monkey off my back, I will be very happy. (laughs) Okay. Well, both Tom and Dom are looking to progress to the next round for the very first time. As you will recall, the winner of uh, today's game will also receive £10 for the charity of their choice, which Paddy Power will place on a bet of your choice with the proceeds of that also going to that charity. Uh, Tom, what's your charity going to be? My charity is Refugee Action. Excellent. Okay. And what is your wager? My wager is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to score against Atletico Madrid. Ah, okay. Because he always scores against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, that was a... the very small amount of theory that went into that one. I think it's, uh, I think it's an excellent idea. Uh, let's hear now from Dom. Dom, what's your charity? Uh, charity is a children's trust. Good, good. And your wager? Well, obviously it's Crystal Palace to win the FA Cup. Boom. All right. Dom, <laughs> you're well up done. first. Oh, Poor really? kids. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. They need shoes. <laughs> Uh, you're up first, so let's get this intertotally match underway. Question one, Dom. Which is the missing name in this list of permanent Everton managers? Roberto Martinez, Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce, missing name, Carlo Ancelotti. Who was between... Marco big... Silva. Yes, one point for Dom. Question two, signed by a Spanish club in 2019, who is the most expensive Dutch player ever? Um. Two and a half years ago, moving to La Liga for a yeah, record fee for a Dutch player. It's the Barca, Barca midfield. Um, oh, God, this is annoying. Um, I'll have to hurry you there, Dom. Frankie de Jong. Oh! Pulls that one out of the bag. That's two points for Dom Fivefield. Question three. Which player won the Premier League with Leicester City in 2015-16 while on loan from another Premier League club? Um, Premier League winner with Leicester. But his parent club was another. Yeah. Oh, God. I know this as well. Bloody hell. Mm. Running out of time. Clock is ticking. <laughs> Have to That's press annoying. you. Yeah, go on. I can't. I can't remember that one. It's Nathan Dyer on loan from Swansea. All right. Question four: The Jeffrey Watling stand is at which Premier League ground? Um. Jeffrey Norwich Watling City is correct. Three out of four. And here comes question five. Which club did Steve McLaren first manage after being sacked by England? FC Twente. Is correct. And I had to stop myself giving that one away with my pronunciation of Steve McLaren. (laughs) 
So with a remarkable four out of five, Dom, how do you feel? Well, it's better than last year. I'm a bit annoyed with myself on Nathan Dyer because I knew that and Stu Jones won't forgive me on that one. But um, but yeah, mm. I'll take that. All right, four out of five. That lays quite a marker down for you, Tom Williams. Are you ready? No, but, you know, let's, let's, let's have a go, nonetheless. All right, then. Here's question one for you, Tom. Which is the missing name in this list of permanent Aston Villa managers? Tim Sherwood, Remy Gard, missing name, Steve Bruce, Dean Smith. Who came between Remy Gard and Steve Bruce? Mm. It's a tough one, this. Any of our panel know? Without giving yeah. it away, obviously. All right. Do you get bonus marks? Uh, no, Dom, disappointingly, but you feel confident you know this one, do you? I must admit, this was a bit of a shock to me. Mm, but, me too. Uh, <laughs> just looked it up. Uh, Tom? Uh, it's going to be a shock to me as well, because I can't <laughs> think what the answer is. Oh, right. Um, uh, Dom, do, oh, shall I, uh, are you... Are you yeah, I'll I think time's probably up. Yeah. Dom, do you want to throw that one? I was going to say Paul Lambert, but I, I probably wasn't. No, it's not Paul Lambert. Daniel? Bobby Di Matteo. It is Bobby Di Matteo. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> Completely <laughs> forgotten about that. That's not, that's not good for the Chelsea podcast, is it? <laughs> good knowledge, by the way, from Daniel, who, of course, has a first-round encounter with uh, Michael Cox. Yeah, that's not worrying On the that. way. Mm. <laughs> uh, question two, anyway, Tom. Signed by an English club in 2020, who is the most expensive German player ever? Came to the Premier League is in 2020. Timo Werner? It's Can not, Tom, it's, it's oh, not, it's the other one, it's Kai Havertz, yeah. Oh, All right, no, All right. we'll again. run through the rest of your questions, but that oh. does mean that Dom Fifield is oh, in God, the quarter. Nothing f- better than playing for fun, Tom, there's nothing better than playing for fun. <laughs> I'll get all of these right now, you watch. All right, <laughs> then. question three. In Leicester's 2015-16 season, only one of their players had previously won a Premier League title winner's medal. Who was it? I should get this right. Which one of Leicester's title-winning players from 15-16 had previously won the Premier League title? Is I'll it tell you. Hooth? It is. Mm, yes. He's on the board. He's on the board. The, on the board. Uh, uh, question four. The Jack Harris stand is at which Premier League ground? <sighs> Jack Harris. Anyone know this one? I'd guess at uh, Turf Moor, but... It's not no Turf idea. Moor. Tom? I've ruled one out for you, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, <laughs> anyone want to rule, rule any more out while, uh, while we're on the subject? Um, I will guess at Brighton. No, it's the Molyneux. It's at Molyneux, sorry. Oh, mm. And question five then, Tom. Which club did Glenn Hoddle first manage after being sacked by England? Ah, it was one of two, I must say, Wolves? Nope. Anybody want to answer that one? Nope. Southampton? (laughs) Yes! Yes, it was Southampton. (laughs) One of two. (laughs) Turns Turns out it was neither of two. Excellent. So a final score in that match of 4-1 and Dom Fifield matching Duncan Alexander's uh, fine record of uh, four correct answers out of five in, in his clash with Alvaro the other day. Excellent work. I'd just like to thank my family for staying, sticking by me at difficult times. And you should be thanking me, Dom, really. I am actually. actually I've, I, I've, got you, I've got you match fit for this with our weekly yeah. straight out of Cobham quiz. So I, I, oh, I'll did take you? the assist on this one, yeah. All right. Uh, well, there you go, Dom. Uh, you're clearly emotional about this win, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave you to collect your thoughts and let it all sink in. And we'll be seeing you in the next round against, if memory serves, either Charlie Eccleshire or James Horncastle. Who do you want? Can I have Tom again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Kick a man while he's down, why don't you? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to get my own back for after after the slur from the, the pre-match. But that, there was there was no slur. There's a complete well, invention you know, from James to try and jeer us up pre-quiz. <laughs> I love you, Tom. Sorry, mate.
Congratulations, Dom Feifeld. You're through to the next round of the Intertotally Cup. And if you think that Dom's onto a winner with his bet that Crystal Palace will win the FA Cup this year, it's priced at 22 to 1 at PaddyPower.com or on the Paddy Power app. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. The Intertotally returns with match three of this exciting uh, campaign on Thursday. Uh, a show which will also feature in and around that uh, some reaction to the Champions League and the midweek Premier League and of course a big look forward to what to look out for on the weekend for uh, for now though, that pretty much wraps it up for today's show anything else you feel needs mentioning Matt, Daniel, Noz? Uh, the Intertotally has been good for me so far by the way because I've been kind of awarded the dunces cap unfairly for the last couple of years but Alvaro and Tom have really taken some of the heat off me in mm. my first round tie I think so pleased pleased with that excellent Wait, who are you up against who have you drawn Matt Jules so yeah I feel like Jim it's very Ra. much about the questions if there's a, a heavy European slant it could be a whitewash otherwise you know if it's about obscure records released by footballers in the 70s that was what helped get me past Rory Smith last year so fingers crossed on that one right yeah Okay, and Daniel, as we mentioned, has Michael Cox. Nozick, you're not taking part, is that right? No, no. Did we simply um, not invite you, or did you decline? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely rubbish at this kind of thing, so yeah, probably All for right. the best. Fair enough, fair enough. Doesn't let us stop Tom Williams. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, Noz, you're so very good at the things that you do do, so many thanks oh. for bringing some of those to today's show. Many thanks as well to Daniel and uh, Matt Davis-Adams. Uh, likewise for you, uh, gentlemen. And thank you, listener, for being with us and Charlie for putting it all together. We return a Tuesday with the Euro Show and Thursday with Stuff. We'll speak to you then. Bye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.